Welcome to the third season of Learning Bible Truth Ministries. I am the founder, host, and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. This ministry is here to teach you Bible truth. Teaching truth allows you to grow in faith and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. I sometimes read entire books in the Bible so you can know the story, not just the scripture. I also teach a series about a certain subject, so I want you to invite family and friends. Get your Bibles, grab a pen and paper so you can take notes. Now sit back, relax, and learn Bible truth. Good day, saints. Today is Saturday, October the 15th of the year 2022. I am your host. I am the founder and I am the teacher of Learning Bible Truth Ministries, Dr. Kamala D. I hope this day finds you and your family well. Well, we have reached the end of this mini-series, The Epistle to the Colossians. We will cover chapter 4 today. And hopefully, I'll be able to share a couple of episodes from uh, Dr. Frederick Casey Price's epic series entitled Race, Religion, and Racism, beginning next week. And after that, I will be sharing a sermon that I am also studying for entitled A Faith That Surpasses All Understanding. A faith that surpasses all understanding. I actually can't wait to get to that. My Lord, because without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must first believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So today I am using the ESV the English Standard Version. And one of the reasons I switched to that uh, for this last um, chapter is because some of the words in the Greek could not be transferred into English. And I see that the New King James, the NIV, the New Living Translation, the uh, NSAB, they all had incorrect words for this chapter. So I said, no, I'm going to go ahead on and, and use the ESV because it would save a lot of time with me having to explain what some of those words were or are and shouldn't be there. So with that said, it doesn't matter which version of the Bible you have, because in the end, we will be in the same place, but you may have some different words in your version, but it doesn't matter. I will share when we get to certain words, I will tell, explain to you why I chose the ESV because it is the most accurate when it comes to chapter four. It is the most accurate to the original text, which was written in Greek. So with that said, saints, let's get this truth on the road. Now, remember, we are in chapter four of the epistle to the Colossians. Now, verse one is actually associated with the end of chapter three, when the apostle Paul 
was explaining to what the Bible calls masters. In our day and age, we're talking about employers, people you work for, could be a supervisor, could be a manager or director, a CEO, a vice president. And the apostle Paul was explaining that it doesn't matter who you are. You need to, t to, to treat those who are working for you with respect and you need to treat them fairly. If you are a Christian, it doesn't matter your position at work. You should be treating everyone fairly. So before we, we read uh, verse one in chapter four, let's read the last three verses in chapter three, which is verses 23, 24, and 25. Okay. So beginning at verse 23 in chapter three, Paul says, whatever you do, work heartedly as for the Lord and not for men. Verse 24, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And verse 25 says, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. Now, no partiality is clear. It means it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your position. If you profess to be a Christian, you better make sure you are treating everyone fairly. And also what the apostle Paul is talking about, the bond servants, at, which represents the workers, you need to be doing a good job. And not just when your master or your employer, your supervisor is watching, because really you are working for the Lord. You are representing Christ and Christ didn't just do good because the father was watching. He did good because good was in him. So that is what the apostle Paul is talking about. And he's, he's directing this to the leaders who have what we call bond servants, not slaves. The word slave may be in your Bible. It's not in the Greek as it relates to chapter four, but a lot of translations have the word slave there. But the actual word should be bond servant. Okay. So now let's pick up at uh, verse one in chapter four. Masters. We are talking about our employers, those who have people employed uh, for them. Masters, treat your bond servants, your workers, justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Now, remember, Paul is writing to Christians. So if you profess to be a Christian and you have a company and you have people working for you, you need to make sure you treat them justly. You need to make sure you teach them fairly. Absolutely. And verse two, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Paul says that we as Christians, now remember this applies to all Christians, Paul is the apostle to Christians, okay? He is the apostle to Gentiles. It doesn't matter whether you are a Jew. He was not directly chosen to be the apostle to Jews. He was chosen to be the apostle to the Gentiles, which are anyone who is not a Jew. However, Paul still ministered and shared the gospel with Jews, which is what we should be doing. And we also should be praying for one another, especially teachers. 
And I ask that you all pray for me. Pray for me as I am one of the leaders in the body of Christ. Teachers are one of the most important positions in the body of Christ. Yes, we are because we are held to a higher standard, which is why if I think for one second that I am sharing some misinformation, I will correct myself immediately. Even though I believe truly wholeheartedly, I'm being led by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes my mind may take over and I may start sharing opinions. And that's a no, no. We are supposed to share the word of God uncut. Okay. So let me read verse two again. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving enhances your prayers. Hallelujah. Verse three. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Now, Paul is saying, look, pray that an opportunity presents itself for us to share the gospel to someone who needs it. And he says, this is the reason I'm in jail because I've been preaching the gospel. Paul didn't break any laws. He didn't break any of God's laws. He may have broken laws that were uh, written by Jews. He was preaching the gospel because they didn't believe that Christ was the Messiah. But Paul knew he was. We know that Christ was the Messiah. Not all Jews denied Christ. It was the religious sector that denied Christ, not the common people, because the Bible says the common people heard him gladly. And that, that, mean, that meant that they received him gladly. Uh, verse four, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak, meaning continuing sharing the gospel. Verse five, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Now the word outsiders here simply means non-believers or foreigners, non-believers, walking wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. That is what we should be using our free time for if we are not working so that we can pay our bills. Because any job we have, God provided so that we can provide for ourselves, which simply means God is still the provider for us. If you have a job because the money is not going to drop out of the sky, we have to pay bills and we can't go down there to uh, Entergy or to the phone company and say, I'm a Christian, your phone will be off and so will your lights. <laughs> we can't go down there to the dealership and say, or either the finance company and say, I'm a Christian. No, you won't have that car anymore. No. So we have to understand that if we are working, God provided us with that job. So we should be the best worker on the job. We should also pray for one another. And I know it may appear that I am digressing here, but it's still associated with the previous verses that I read before we got to verse five. Verse five, again, walking wisdom toward outsiders, meaning non-believers, making the best use of the time. Verse six, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. You know, we are supposed to be the salt of the earth so that you may know how you ought to answer each person who really did what this means right here. How you ought to answer each person is literally talking about when people ask you about how, how gracious you are, how forgiving you are, how kind you are, and how giving you are. We ought to share Christ because he is the reason why we are supposed to be like that. 
I was a person in the past who really didn't care about nobody but me, my family, us four, and no more. I care about everyone now. It doesn't matter. One of the one of the um, most famous quotes and my favorite quote from Thomas Merton is, we should love everyone and not inquire whether or not they are worthy. My Lord, that is so powerful. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter their status. It doesn't matter, matter how much money they make, how much money they don't have or have. It doesn't matter their ethnicity. We should not inquire whether or not they are worthy of our love. And love simply means an action, whether or not we choose to help them or not. Doesn't matter. We still need to help them. Hallelujah. So when Paul was talking about good behavior toward those outside the community, which is verse five and six, and which means uh, um, non-believers, Paul encourages the Colossians as well as us to manifest a powerful and attractive testimony to non-Christians and we should be seasoned with salt. Let me say that again. We should be seasoned with salt. Now this statement echoes the teaching of Jesus when he called his disciples to be the salt of the earth in Matthew five, verse 13, when applied to conversation, the metaphor, now, now this metaphor suggests speaking in an interesting, stimulating, and wise way to non-believers, explaining, like I said a few minutes ago, about why we are so kind. It's because the Christ, uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit that's in us, it has nothing to do with us. It's because of Christ. It is not about us. So we need to put that arrogance aside. Trust me. This is not about us. Now, let me pick up at verse seven. And Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. So we know Tychicus was a Christian and he is a minister of the gospel. Verse eight, I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Every Christian needs a leader that is going to continue to encourage them to walk in the faith. And there's only one faith to be encouraged to stick with Christ. And that is what Paul was doing from prison. Remember, he wrote this letter or this epistle from the prison in Rome. And why was he in prison? For preaching the gospel. Unbelievable. Verse nine, and with him, one Simus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. So we know that one Simus was a member of that congregation in Colossae. He was one of the Colossians. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Verse 10, and Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. Now, Aristarchus apparently was in jail with Paul. Poor babies, I tell you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. Now, Mark, apparently Barnabas and Mark, if you can remember in the book of Acts, uh, Barnabas and Paul had an argument about uh, Mark. Paul did not want Mark coming with them on their missionary journey because he felt or believed and Paul knew better than us that Mark was too lazy. 
And so Paul ended up leaving uh, Barnabas and Mark. But you got to remember, Mark was was Barnabas cousin. So, of course, Barnabas was going to side with his cousin. And verse 11 says, wait, hold up. Let me um, I don't think I read the entire verse of 10. And Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. So apparently they had made up because Paul is mentioning Mark uh, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. Verse 11 and Jesus, who is called justice. Now, this is the only time in this entire Bible that Jesus is mentioned. This is the only time. So apparently he was a, a fellow worker. Uh, with Paul or either for Paul. Um, he is called justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. So apparently Jesus who's called justice was a Jew because men of the circumcision were Jews. They were of the Abrahamic covenant who believed on the Messiah, who believed on Christ. Yes. They believed Jesus was the Messiah. So they also joined the kingdom of God and, and they were workers alongside of, uh, the apostle Paul. Verse 12, and Epaphras, who is one of you? That's their pastor. Epaphras is the one who came to Paul in prison, went to visit him and told him about uh, these uh, Gnostics who had entered the church and was bringing false information and explaining to, and which is what, what this entire epistle was about um, was trying to get the Colossians to uh, worship angels, um, telling them that wisdom only came from God to a, a, a few uh, selected people. Now, in, in reference to what they were teaching, those select few were women. And uh, so that's who Epaphras is. He was their pastor and he he heard these false teachings and flew to Paul because it was above his pay grade. He didn't know how to deal with it, but that's why Paul wrote this letter to tell them how to deal with those people. Stick with Christ. You are complete in Christ. You don't need any of them. Wisdom is not only given to a select few. It is given to all of God's people who are in Christ. All of God's people. So let me read 12 again. Epaphras, who is one of you. A servant of Christ Jesus greets you always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. That's why they are encouraging the Colossians to, to remain in God and to stand fully matured. That's why we have to pray for one another, saints. We can't do this alone. Uh-uh. We can't do this alone. The Christian walk is a tough walk. Even among some of your friends who don't know Christ, you know, who are profess in your presence, but you know, they really don't. They're not born again. You love them anyway, but in private, pray for their salvation that when they are alone and the seeds that you plant, they will sincerely accept Christ as Lord and Savior and become born again. Verse 13, for I bear him witness. Paul is talking about he bear Epaphras. He, he is a witness to what uh, the work of Epaphras is doing for them. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Verse 14, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does demons. Now, Luke wrote the gospel of Luke. 
the gospel according to Luke. And he also wrote the book of Acts in case you guys don't know, which is the beginning of the church age. Now Demas, now this was before Demas have forsaken Paul. That's written in second Timothy for Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world. Demas was worldly. He was never saved. See, we got some working amongst us today. They're really not saved. See, Demas saw what was going on in the world and chose his flesh over the gospel of Christ. You can't do both saints. We can't do both. Verse 15, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. Nympha had a church in her house. It doesn't say she was the pastor. It doesn't say she, she was the minister. But what we do know is Nympha was a Christian and a church was in her house. Verse 16. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from the Laod from um, Laodicea. Now, I mentioned this throughout this little series that the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Laodicea was never found. So that's why it's not in the Bible. He wrote a, a bunch of epistles and that really wasn't a letter. It was an epistle because it wasn't personal. And these letters or epistles was to be circulated throughout the churches or the congregations that Paul was overseeing. And he had pastors at, at each of them. Now, some scholars Think, see, this is what happens when man start, starts thinking and go outside of the Holy Spirit. Think that the letter to the Ephesians is the same letter that Paul sent to the Laodiceans. No, it doesn't say that. It, the letter to the Ephesians is in the Bible. The letter to the uh, Laodiceans are not there. So when Paul says, See to it when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. So he didn't mention anything about uh, the uh, Ephesians at Ephesus, the letter that he sent them, because you look, that letter is not lost. So sometimes scholars go above and beyond. No, stick, stick to what's written because they have the same writings that I, I am reading. And I'm not adding to it. So it's safe to say that the letter that was written to the Laodiceans and it could not have been uh, worded verbatim as the letter he sent to the Colossians, because why would Paul want that letter read to the Colossians? And why would he want the letter he's sending them, which is this letter or this epistle read to the church at Laodicea? So he wanted them to know that it was similar. He's not telling them anything contrary. Everybody is, is supposed to be on the same page, which is what we don't see today. Oh, no, we don't see this today. That's why we have all these different denominations. And um, I've already told you we have over 10,000 religions. And I can't tell you how many denominations we have in the so-called, quote unquote, body of Christ. I can't tell you that. But that's why so many Christians are confused and don't even know the basics of how to become saved. Because we have all these different gospels being taught in these denominations. It hurts my heart to see it. But whenever I have the opportunity, I share it with them. Now, if you if they accept it and I show them in scripture, good, fine. If they don't, my work was done because my work is to share the truth. As it is written in this holy Bible. 
That's why we have scriptures. You know, we have doctors who use what we call a physician's desk reference because we have doctors who are so full of knowledge and they are human though. They are not divine. They are human. That's why they are limited. But sometimes they have to reference that PDF because they forget some things. Now, when it comes to the word of God, that's where the confusion come in at. People are referencing all these different books that was written by all these different people. No, we have the Holy Bible for that because all of these different books that are written as it relates to different denominations and different religions, they all get some information out of the Bible. Not all, some, but it's, it's, isn't it, isn't it strange that they um, conveniently skip over Jesus? Isn't that strange? From Genesis beginning uh, at chapter three and verse 14, it talks about the coming of the Messiah. So the entire Bible is about God's redemption plan, which is in his son, Jesus Christ. So how are they getting scriptures out of the Bible, but conveniently skipping Jesus? That's a whole nother teaching. Uh Uh-huh. That's a whole nother teaching. Uh, Verse 17. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord encouraging Archibus to continue in the ministry, which is leading people to Christ, feeding the hungry, healing the sick, because they all were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all given power to lay on hands, uh, I mean, of the laying on of hands to heal the sick. Not hurt them, not put any sickness on anyone, but to heal. But do you know we have some churches today, such as especially Baptist church, you can't tell me anything about them. It doesn't matter if you get upset because I'm saying this, but they don't believe in healing. They believe all that have stopped. They believe that uh, speaking in tongues has stopped. I'm a living witness. It hasn't because I speak in tongues and they don't believe that healing exists today. They believe that healing died with the last apostle. When the last apostle died, healing died with him. Well, that's not what the Bible says. Uh Uh-uh. The Bible says when that which is perfect has come, which, and it hasn't come yet. That which is in part, meaning the spiritual gifts will cease. That's what the Bible says. So that which is perfect hadn't come yet because Christ hasn't come to get his church. See, we won't need those spiritual gifts once we are with him because we'll be with him. We won't need any of them. And then we will receive perfect bodies. Yeah, we don't have perfect bodies yet. That's why we get sick. That's why you stump your toe. It'll hurt you to, to, to the heavens. You accidentally cut yourself, you will bleed or oh, and it'll sting and your finger or, or, or leg or wherever you cut yourself at will hurt tremendously because we don't have new bodies. We are still in these old sinful bodies. We are in these sinful flesh. Yeah. So that which is perfect has not come yet. So these spiritual gifts haven't come. And if you read the book of Acts, I think uh, starting in chapter two, it'll tell you. That the gift of the Holy Spirit is not just for you, but for your children and for generations to come. We are associated with the generations to come. So let me read verse 18 so we can close this out. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Now, Timothy, who acted as Paul's secretary on occasion, would typically write for him and Paul would be mentioned at the beginning of the epistle, or if it was a personal letter, he would be mentioned as the author. 
But Paul says he wrote this one himself. So this one is authentic. It says, let me read that again. Verse 18. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. My Lord, we got, we have to remember that this thing is all about God's grace. The reason why Paul said grace be with you, because you have to remember the Gnostics had started teaching Gnosticism, which did not include grace. You had to work. Legalism was there. So if you are focusing on doing what's right and being perfect to be saved, you have accepted legalism, whether you realize it or not. And you think you are saved by what you do or didn't do. No, we are saved by what Christ did. You have to believe in the finished works of Christ. What he did on that cross for us to be saved. It has to be embedded in your heart. Romans 10, 9 is not changing. Uh-uh. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Period. So what these Gnostics were teaching is that you had to do more. You had to do more. They had entered uh, legalism, had entered the church, meaning they had to live a certain way. Now, God does call us to be holy and live holy. But here's the kicker. You have to understand the difference. Holy Spirit, help me right here because I want to make sure I say this right. I don't want you under any circumstances to think that you are saved because you are living holy. Uh-uh. If you are saved, you will be living holy. There is a difference. If you are saved, you will not condone bad behavior. You don't have to judge it. You know what? You need to stay away from it. Just like the apostle Paul told the Corinthians to, that they needed to put this person out of the congregation. Now you can't put someone out of Christ. This man who was sleeping with his father's wife, he was sleeping with his stepmother. And the people apparently was puffed up about it because see Gnosticism had entered the Corinthian church too, which is one of the reasons the apostle Paul wrote all of these epistles. He was sending corrections and saying, no, no, you can't trample on God's grace because at one point he asked the Corinthians, are you of the faith? I mean, they were doing some horrific things. Paul said, wait a minute, are you saved? You need to examine yourselves. Are you actually saved? If you are born again, you will be living holy. You will have love in your heart for everyone. But if you are not, you just showing up at the church, you know, at the congregation, uh, just to put your time in and you think you are getting points for that. Honey, you might as well stay home. You, you're not born again. You're not born again because you show up at a congregation. If you never step foot in a congregation to fellowship, even though we are told in the book of Hebrews, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That has nothing to do with your uh, salvation. It has to do with your fellowshipping, finding out from your fellow sisters and brothers in Christ, if they are in need, if, if I have something that uh, I can give you to help you with your situation, you need to give it. Or if you are in need, you need to congregate with your fellow sisters and brothers in Christ to see if they have something to give you. Cause the apostle Paul, well, put it this way. It wasn't Paul yet. It was the other apostles in the book of Acts said that none should suffer lack all the collections that was collected from the sisters and brothers in Christ was given to the needy Christians. It was not for the use of building big old buildings so that more people can come and come and give more money. It was not 
uh, collected so that the pastor can have a new car every year. It was not collected so the pastor can be dressing better than the people who are in the pool, in the pews. That's not what the money for. The money is actually for the needy Christians in the church. That's it. You ought to make sure the pastor is eating. Make sure he has a roof over his head and make sure he has clothes to put on his back. But it is not so the pastor can be riding around in the best car in the world. You better read the book of Acts. Uh-huh. The beginning of the church age. You better read when all of the collections of monies were collected in these churches, these different churches, what it was for. Because the Bible doesn't leave us hanging. So we have to look out for one another. If there is a brother or sister in need, I'm here to tell you, if you have it, your job is to give it to them. Now, if y'all come to an, an agreement that it's a loan, well, then you well, then that person who is receiving it should pay it back. But for the most part, if you have and you have a brother or a sister in Christ who is in need, you need to give it. But if you come to an agreement, I will say it again, that it's a loan within the person on the receiving end need to pay it back. But you're still receiving help. Yes. So, saints, I hope that you got something out of this series. And if you guys have any questions, don't hesitate to email me because some of you don't have a problem emailing me. But for the most part, I haven't received many questions uh, regarding this series because it's really cut and dry. The scriptures are right there. The proof is in the pudding. Uh, it's just that many of you didn't know why Pope Paul wrote this letter or this epistle. He wrote it because false teachers had entered the church and Epaphras, who was the pastor, said, wait a minute, I got to go get answers from Paul. He traveled that long journey to go to the prison in Rome to visit Paul. And Paul wrote that epistle for him to bring it back. But Epaphras was not the one to bring it back. It was uh, someone else. And I think I, I read his name. It just slipped my mind at this time. But someone else brought it back. And uh, apparently there were some true Christians in Colossae, just like they had true Christians at Ephesus and in Galatia. They had true Christians everywhere, just like they have some real Christians in all of these different denominations, but only a handful. Because the teaching starts with the, with the head, which is Christ. And the person who is the overseer is supposed to be, who's supposed to be the shepherd is supposed to be the pastor. But we have some pastors who are not teaching the truth. They have gotten addicted to the money and what money can buy for him or her. And they have allowed the world and the world's ways to enter into the church. Oh, I see it. I see it, saints. I hear it from people. I, look, I'm around people, uh, especially at work, who profess to be Christians, but they are worldly. They support wrongdoing. Anything you're doing wrong or anything you are doing contrary to being holy, they are all for it. All for it. And you better not uh, say anything about how they should be living. But the Christians in, 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 in the church, the Apostle Paul told them. Those who are spiritual ought, ought to restore such a one, not those who are living worldly with them. Yes, Christians are allowed to judge Christians, but Christians are not allowed to judge the world because that was the, uh, it wasn't an argument, but that was what the uh, Christians in at Corinth was telling Paul 
that um, they thought Paul meant uh, for them to judge the world. Paul said, no, you can't judge the world. No, I was talking about the, the Christians among you. And I'm paraphrasing here so that you can understand. Uh, Paul said, no, I'm talking about those among you. If they are living like this, such as the one who is sleeping with his wife, y'all need to put him out of the congregation. Put him out. It doesn't mean he wasn't saved because Paul also says so that the devil can get him. And so that the really, and let me paraphrase here so you can really understand what I'm saying, because I don't have the scriptures in front of me to read verbatim. Hold on. Let me, let me pull that scripture up because we have time so I can read it verbatim what Paul said. Okay. I'm going to be reading from the uh, ESV. Go to first Corinthians chapter five. If you want to follow along or I'll just read it uh, to you and beginning at verse one, this is first Corinthians chapter five, verse one. This is Paul talking about sexual immorality that will defile the church. If you don't put the people out who are involved in it and y'all know about it. Paul says it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. Pagans don't even tolerate this. For a man has his father's wife, verse two, and you are arrogant. Paul said, and you are arrogant. You, you're not even worried about it. Ought you not rather to mourn? You should be upset about this. This should be hurt in your heart, crying about this. Let him who has done this be removed from among you. I want you to tell me right now, why aren't churches doing it? Because the church is filled with people who are practicing sin and steadily growing in iniquity. Some of the meanest people you ever want to come across are in the, the, the body of Christ. They're not born again, but because the greedy pastors want the money, they're not putting anybody out. Verse three, for though absent in, in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. Now he is using past tense. He said who did such a thing, but it should be who does such a thing. Verse four, when you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, verse five, you are, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. You put him out the church, turn him over to Satan. And what he means, he ain't talking about just putting him in the arms of Satan. What he's saying is let him choose to live in that behavior because he's living for Satan. If you are practicing that behavior and you comfortable with it, chances are you really not born again. This is one of the reasons Paul said, oh, you know what? You need to examine yourself to see if you are of the faith. Why are you even supporting this? He says, verse five, again, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. So let him die early. This, this is actually where you can cut your life short comes in at. Also in Ecclesiastes, why die before your time? Yes. Just because you dying doesn't mean you dying at your appointed time. It's because of your, your lifestyle. It's several reasons that uh, can cause you to die before your time. Now I'm, I got scripture to back me up. So those of, of you who are out there saying, cause I've heard people say it in my presence. Well, you know, it was her time to go. She was only 10. So how was it her time to go? God does not have written for any, 
down in any, anywhere, in any books for anybody to go under the age of 70. What happens is people are in violation of certain things in reference to the Bible and they are cutting their lives short. Cause right here, the apostle Paul says again in verse five of first Corinthians, uh, chapter, uh, chapter five, verse five says you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Verse six, your boasting is not good. So what we had here was people was all right with it. As a matter of fact, they were congratulating the couple. Yeah. Paul says your boasting is not good. There's nothing good about what you're saying. So we don't support bad behavior. Do you not know that a little leaving leavens the whole lump? So the whole, this mess would spread throughout the whole church. If they didn't put it out, people will think it's okay to do that. No, God is not um, in support of this behavior. Verse seven, cleanse out the old leaving that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Verse eight, let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaving. He's talking about, we need, we are supposed to be born again. And not with your old behavior, but your new behavior, the living of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Verse nine, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Now I can work with anybody. I can converse with anybody, but what you will not see me doing is going to unholy gatherings where Christ is not at the center and hanging out with sexually immoral people. I'm just not going to do it. I can love them, but still not hang out with them. I can treat them well, treat them with love. And I mean, go above and beyond for them to help them, but you will not see me hanging out with them. I'm just not going to do it. Not in verse 10 says, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. So Paul is saying here in verse 10, I wasn't talking about the unbelievers for y'all to judge. I wasn't talking about keeping them out of the congregation. And let me read verse 10 again so you can get it. Now the ESV, I stuck with this, but it, it is not explaining it right here. So that's why I'm trying to paraphrase. But uh, verse 10 says again, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and the swindlers or idolaters. Since then you would need to go out of the world. So Paul say, I'm not telling you to judge the world. It's too many of them. You can't because they, they're not saved anyway. Verse 11. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. He's talking about those who are supposed to be Christians. If he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or chasing money or is an idolater, you know, worshiping idols or a, a, a reveler drunkard, somebody who gets drunk or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. Paul said you shouldn't even be eating with these people who claiming to be Christians. No, we can't do that. And, and Paul says in verse 12, for what have I to do with judging outsiders, mean non-believers? That's what outsiders mean. What, what have I to do with judging non-believers? Is it not those inside the church 
whom you are to judge. That's who we need to be judging. But guess what? You can't be doing the same things that they are doing. And then you start judging them. No, uh, uh-uh. no. Paul says that we need to put them out from among us. Verse 13, God judges those outside. God judges the non-believers. Okay. Purge the evil person from among you talking about Christians. And, and that's the end. So if you want to read that, for yourselves again in the in, in the version of the Bible you have, you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and read it from verse 1 all the way to 13. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Now, I'm not saying that uh, we can't still love them, but you should not be supporting their bad behavior. And I'm telling you, I know some who support bad behavior. They support sexual immorality. Not only do they support it, they actually encourages it and praise the people that do. You shouldn't be encouraging this type of behavior with, with non-believers. You just shouldn't say anything. Just don't support it. That's all I'm saying. We ought to walk in love and forgiveness. But at the end of the day, this is why sin is running rampant throughout our churches today, throughout the body of Christ, because the pastors are not putting out the people who are living it with this behavior. As a matter of fact, they support it. Well, you know, we, we are all human. Absolutely. Which is why we have to be born again. Uh Uh-huh. We are all human and people make mistakes. Okay. But at what point are you going to allow the blood of Jesus to cleanse you from all unrighteousness? Because the apostle John says that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. This should be encouraging right here and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we confess our sins, this is a continuous thing, you know, because as long as we are walking in this body, in this flesh, we are going to have to confess our sins. But are we confessing them? I know when I come home daily and I, I, I think about it, what did I do today that was unedifying? What did I say? What did I do? And I start repenting of it, asking God for forgiveness. And you know what? I already know I'm automatically forgiven, but how many of us are not doing that? But if you are doing the living these, uh, this lifestyle, unholy lifestyle and supporting those who, who live these unholy lifestyles and you are not, I shouldn't say not, and you are doing it, feeling good about it because you think you can go to God and say, well, Lord, I'm sorry I did this today. And then prepare yourself to go and do it the next day. I got some bad news for you. You are not born again. The love of God is not in your heart. It's not in your heart. Because let me tell you, repent means to change. It it didn't take me overnight to get where I am today. It took me uh, through the course of 25 years. Yes, it was a long, hard walk. I took up my cross and still bear my cross with me because I am tempted every day. But I'm faithful that I have a God who is faithful. Uh-huh. God is faithful and just to forgive me my sins and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And remember, it is associated with confessing your sins. And not sinning because you, oh, well, God going to forgive me any, anyway. I, I guess I'll, you know, ask for forgiveness tomorrow. No, not God doesn't even hear you. You ain't born again. Not with that mindset. You have to renew your mind with the word of God. And the the word of God is definitely not going to tell you to say that or do that or practice this behavior or support those who practice it and hang out with them. Well, I'm going to go to this unholy place with them, have fun, but I ain't going to do what they're doing. I ain't going to get drunk. 
I ain't going to go in the bathroom and have sex with, with people I don't know. I'm not going to do all that. A lot of us used to do some things like that. Uh-huh. But that's why the Apostle Paul tells the people at Corinth, at, and such were some of you. You used to do those things. I'm sorry I bumped the mic. You know what? I went all this long way without bumping the mic. But now since I'm toward the end, I guess that's the Holy Spirit telling me, hey, look now, you, you, you didn't say it enough. I, I just want you to plant this seed. So, uh, and this is one of the reasons why we shouldn't hang out with our unholy friends. I'm invited to a lot of places to go, but I, and by people who profess to be Christians, but I don't go because I know they're not sincere. And I don't want to be in the environment of, of drinking alcohol and the environment of people cursing, cursing and the environment of, of people smoking perhaps, but I don't want to be in that environment. I have no uh, desire to be in that environment, but guess what? Years ago, I had uh, the desire to be in, a, in, in that environment. I was never really a smoker. Um, I remember I used to drink. I haven't had a drink. I was drinking in my 20s. And guess what? I stopped drinking early. I stopped drinking at the age of 21 because I got so drunk one time going out, hanging with friends. I became very ill. I was throwing up all day the next day and I never touched another drink with alcohol in it. Never touched it. And I am in my 50s today. In my late 50s. And I stopped drinking back in uh, when I was 21. And wasn't born again. But I know God had a plan for me. Oh yes. I know he had a plan for me. So with that said saints look. I hope you enjoyed this message. I hope you were not offended. Because guess what. When God chastens his people. He chastens them with his word. Not with sickness. Not with nothing physical. It's with his word. I hope I planted enough seeds. In those of you who know you are on the, the wrong path who know you are living in an unholy manner and supporting those who are, you ain't got to jump. Don't say nothing, but you need to be praying for them. Uh-huh. You need to be praying for them. So saints until next time, walk in love. Peace out. hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this message, you can contact us by emailing talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. If you would like to sow a seed in this growing ministry, you may access the front page on the podcast you are listening to and click on the support button. Or you can cash out the ministry at dollar sign Dr. Kamala D. That is at dollar sign, capital D, lowercase r, capital C, lowercase a-m-a-l-e, capital D, and donate any amount. And remember, God loves a cheerful giver, and so do we. So until next time, believers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, not the word of man. We walk by faith and not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D, serving you with Christ Jesus, our Lord, in peace and love. I thank each of you for tuning in, and I hope to hear from you soon. Peace out.